Welcome back to another episode of Discovering the Male Mysteries. I'm your host, Mel Mystery. It's hard to believe that it's been about a year since my last podcast at the beginning of the COVID pandemic. My podcast schedule has always been irregular, but I had envisioned putting out an episode much sooner. So what's been happening with me since the last podcast? I've been putting a lot of time and energy into clearing out both my physical and my mental clutter. I feel like if I'm going to move forward with many of my plans, that I need to clear the space for those plans to manifest. During this pandemic, I've not had nearly the amount of spare time I had envisioned, but I have been steadily cleaning, organizing, and decluttering my physical stuff, my paper and computer files, and I've been trying to simplify and streamline my personal projects and responsibilities. I've also been trying to get my house fixed up so that when I'm eventually ready to sell and move back to Western Virginia, whenever that might be, I'm not left scrambling. During this time, I have continued to publish the Mysterious Ways Cyberzine semi-annually. I had originally called it a newsletter, but have settled on calling it a zine because zines are relatively informal, small circulation magazines that cater to minority and niche populations, such as, for example, oh, let me see, Queer Pagan Men. It's a cyberzine because it's not photocopied, but distributed virtually online. The next issue should be coming out around June, and the topic for the next issue is Love and Sex Magic. You can find this issue on my website at www.melmystery.com. I've attended a few virtual conferences since the pandemic started. Back in September 2020, I attended the Virtual Between the Worlds conference. They did a great job, and I really enjoyed the workshops, especially the ones related to queer male spiritual practices. I would not have been able to attend the event in person this year, as the event typically takes place far away from me in Ohio, but the virtual format allowed me to attend. The relatively new Arcadia gathering for queer pagan men in the mid-Atlantic region of the U.S. didn't happen this past year, as we decided to cancel due to COVID. 
We are hoping to return in person the weekend of October 8th through 10th, 2021 at First Landing State Park in Virginia Beach. Links to this and other events will be included in the show notes for this podcast on my webpage at www.melmystery.com. As for my local Brotherhood by the Bog Pagan Men's Retreat that's normally held in person at First Landing State Park in Virginia Beach in the spring, we decided to host the event virtually this year in late April. Over 100 people joined our Facebook group for the event. Some of our guest presenters included Thomas Prower, author of the books Queer Magic and Morbid Magic, Eric Eldridge of the DC Radical Fairies, Stone Circle Wicca, and various other groups, Sir Hex Nottingham, an OBOD druid, and musical guest Alexian, and a number of folks from our retreat planning committee. All in all, things went well, and we're looking for ways to make a hybrid event once the event goes back to meeting in person. I recently got vaccinated for COVID too. While I intend to remain cautious and vigilant, I do expect to start getting back out to more in-person events in the near future. So that's some of what I've been up to since the last podcast. Today's podcast is all about after-death communications. I recently had my own strange experiences with this topic when I found out last fall that a friend from college had passed away, and I proceeded to receive these very intense messages that I believe were from him. I read up on the topic, and I will be sharing various ways those have passed over might try to communicate with us. So that's basically it for news for now. I hope you enjoy today's show. Many gay and bisexual men, dissatisfied with modern religions that struggle to accept and condone us, are hearing the call of the old gods, those gods and religions of antiquity that embraced us and recognized our inherent spirituality. While modern religions debate our worth as lovers, as priests, as sexual beings, the old gods and the old religions embraced us as sacred. We were their shamans, their priests, the intermediaries between the gods and mankind. Many of the gods themselves were homosexual, bisexual, or transgendered. These gods were untamed, vibrant, and sexual. Accept their call and their healing embrace. These are the Male Mysteries, and I'm your host, Mel Mystery. It all started last November. I had a few dreams on different nights about my friend Justin from college in the early 1990s. Justin was more than a friend. I had an epic crush on him, and I always felt there was some kind of cosmic connection between us. I always knew when I'd see him because I'd dream about him and then just randomly run into him on campus the next day. I finally got the courage to ask him out, but he just started dating someone right about the same time. Somehow I even knew who this person was even though I'd never seen them together before. I always felt my love for Justin was unconditional. I even told him as much. With a new boyfriend, things got awkward between us and I stepped back. This had been in the spring. Summer came and I expected Justin would be back in the fall and that we'd be able to pick up our friendship if nothing else. The last time I saw Justin in person, he and his boyfriend came through my line that summer where I was working as a cashier for Walmart. Justin never came back for the fall semester. Over the years, I tried here and there to reach out to Justin. I sent a letter to his parents' address a few years later. In the late 2000s, I found him on MySpace and sent him a message. 
Finally, maybe seven or eight years ago, I found him on Facebook and was pleasantly surprised that he accepted my friend request. We only managed to be Facebook friends at that point. I was always afraid that if I reached out or pushed too hard that he'd disappear from my life again. So I was content to know that he was okay, to wish him a happy birthday every year, and sometimes to like some of his posts. So when I dreamed about him more than once last November, I thought something was amiss. In the first dream, I dreamed that I affirmed my unconditional love for him. A few weeks later, I dreamed we were at a college reunion and he had pulled me aside to talk about our lives since college. The dream seemed so real. I decided to look Justin up on Facebook to see what he'd been up to and discovered that he'd passed away back in May at the age of 45. It was a great shock to me and I mourned his loss. During the first week or two after this, I received all sorts of intense impressions and signs. I even did some tarot readings. Everything was reinforced from multiple sources. They all seemed to indicate that he had really liked me and that he'd felt a connection too. He regretted that things hadn't worked out differently between us. He was surprised that I still cared. He was sorry if he'd hurt me. He had been young and immature. He hadn't known what he wanted and his own feelings scared him. After two weeks of wondering whether I was just making up things in my own head, <laughs> I went out one Saturday to do my weekly shopping and said that I'd be open for signs from Justin. And there was one way he could prove that it was really him, not just my imagination. In college, Justin would flirt with me. I'd be totally quiet and he'd come up to me and he'd tell me, shut up, Melvin. That was before I shortened my name to Mel. I said, if it's really you, Justin, you'll find a nice way to tell me to shut up. <laughs> It couldn't be a random person walking up to me and telling me to shut up. So anyway, as I'm driving down the road that Saturday between grocery stores, the song Shut Up and Dance by Walk the Moon came on the radio. I've not heard that song in forever. I knew the song was from Justin. I thought that was it. I'd gotten my sign. <laughs> but the songs didn't stop there, and they all seemed specifically talking to me. Later on, a cover song for Adele's Hello came on the radio. I got chills when the singer said hello from the other side. Even the lyrics sounded a bit like our story. He'd moved to California and I'd stayed back in the town where we'd gone to college. I heard at least one more song that seemed just for me before the date was out. It was called Haunt You by a group called Ex Lover. In the song, the singer says that someday when he dies, he's coming back to haunt his love. And the lover says she'll be hoping and waiting. Despite the dark lyrics, it's actually kind of a fun song. I continued to receive very intense signs and impressions for another month, and after the new year they've dropped off. Maybe he shared what he needed to. I can only hope that we'll get another try at love and friendship in the next lifetime. In the meantime, I've decided to honor Justin along with other past loved ones when appropriate in my practice, such as at Samhain.
During my intense experiences with signs, songs, and impressions from Justin, I decided to read up on the subject. After my dad had passed away in 2009, I discovered a book called Hello from Heaven. It's all about after-death communication. The book was written in 1995 by Bill Guggenheim and Judy Guggenheim. I'd always resisted buying and reading it because the title Hello from Heaven sounded very Christian to me. Coincidentally, or perhaps by divine timing, I found the book in a used bookstore during my experiences and decided to purchase and read it. Sure, a lot of folks share their experiences from a Christian perspective, since that's the default in our country, but the book itself didn't push any kind of Christian agenda. After years of interest in near-death experiences and after-death communications, the authors decided to start an after-death communication project. This project involved interviewing thousands of people of all ages, genders, backgrounds, occupations, and educational backgrounds about their first-hand experiences of communications with deceased loved ones. The project itself took seven years to complete. According to the authors, the majority of these folks had Christian or Jewish religious backgrounds, but the authors themselves distinguish heaven as higher spiritual realms related to life after death. The authors also point out that after-death communications are very common and socially accepted in some cultures outside the U.S. In those cultures, folks share their experiences joyously and freely, and these are accepted as very real experiences without stigma. From their research, the authors identified 12 of the most common types of after-death communication, ADC for short. The first of these is sensing a presence. Some folks intuitively feel that their loved one is near. It's feeling the person's presence and even knowing when they arrive and when they depart. Second one is hearing a voice. Some folks hear the voice of their loved one. This can be either external or hearing the voice in their mind like telepathy. Voice communications are often short and to the point, but sometimes they can take on the form of brief conversations. Number three, feeling a touch. Some folks feel a touch this can be a tap, a gentle touch, a hand on the shoulder, a kiss, or even a hug. This type often takes place in conjunction with other types of communication, like sensing a presence or hearing a voice. Number four, smelling a fragrance. Some folks smell something they associate with their deceased loved one, and the smell is out of contact with their current environment. They may smell a perfume or aftershave, flowers, tobacco, or even foods associated with their loved one. Five, appearances. Some folks actually see their deceased loved ones. This can be either a partial or full appearance. Partial appearances are where the deceased is either somewhat transparent or they only see part of the deceased's body, such as from the waist up, from the foot of their bed, or they might just see their face. Their loved one might also be experienced as a bright light or as a mist. In full appearances, the person sees their loved one as a complete and solid body. Sometimes the deceased will appear as they had when they were younger, with any wounds or deformities healed and possibly even wearing a favorite item of clothing. Number six, visions. Seeing a deceased loved one in visions is a less common form of communication, but it does happen. Visions are usually either flat or 3D projections, and they may involve a lot of light and vivid colors. Sometimes these visions are like looking through a portal into another dimension. Visions can feature one-way communication from the deceased or two-way telepathic communication. These visions may take place during times of deep relaxation, meditation, or prayer. 
Number seven, uh, twilight ADCs. This type of after-death communication takes place when one is in an alpha state. This is usually right before falling asleep or right after or right when waking up. All the other types of ADCs can be experienced during a twilight ADC. Number eight, in dreams. Communicating with deceased loved ones in dreams is a very common experience. These dreams often have a more vivid and real feel to them than an average dream. Number nine, out-of-body ADCs. Some folks encounter their deceased loved ones during out-of-body experiences. This includes near-death experiences, spontaneous out-of-body experiences, and out-of-body experiences that are taken consciously through meditation, astral projection, or shamanic journeying. The last two weren't specifically mentioned in the book, but would qualify from a pagan perspective. Number 10, telephone ADCs. These are a less common form of after-death communication. The phone rings and you answer it to hear your deceased loved one talking to you. Sometimes these are one way with the deceased person telling you something, or they might be a two-way conversation. They may sound loud and clear or like the person is calling from a very long distance. After these calls end, there usually isn't any kind of disconnect sound or dial tone. Uh, one example of this uh, that happened in my own life is a few months after my dad passed away, I remember my mom claimed to have found a new voicemail message from my dad that she'd not heard before. So the question is, had he left this before he died or was he communicating from the afterlife? Number 11, physical phenomena. Some folks experience lights being turned on and off, stereos, televisions, or other electronics being turned on or off, items being physically moved, doors opening and closing, and many other physical manifestations. Uh, number 12, symbolic ADCs. These are basically signs from your deceased loved one. It can be a butterfly, a rainbow, a song on the radio, seeing a particular bird or a flower. These often have personal meaning of some kind, and they're especially symbolic if what you see is something associated with the loved one. So those are the 12 types of after-death communications. Out of these, I believe I received at least three of these types of communication from Justin. I saw them in my dreams. I received symbolic communication through songs and signs. And although I did not mention this in the prologue, I also felt a very intense feeling of being wrapped in unconditional love during these experiences. The authors of the book are quick to point out that these experiences are often brushed off as bereavement fantasies especially by those who did not experience these things firsthand. The authors cite various reasons why they believe these aren't just bereavement fantasies. Sometimes these come before the experiencer knows their loved one has died, including cases where the death was unexpected. Sometimes there is more than one person in the room when the deceased visits, and they experience the communication too. In some cases, the deceased loved one tells the person something they could not possibly know. For example, the location of a lost family heirloom. So why do deceased loved ones communicate with the living? Sometimes they just want to say goodbye or to console the bereaved. They might have unfinished business, such as sharing the whereabouts of something important. Sometimes a deceased loved one will appear with an urgent warning for the living, or they might intervene in a situation such as an attempted suicide. They could also have a message for someone else that they'd like to relay through you. Not everyone is open to receiving messages from the deceased, and folks may be sensitive to one communication type over others. Sometimes folks have a series of communications. Sometimes it's just a goodbye. Sometimes an after-death communication will come years or even decades after the person died.
on the first time that I saw you In the kitchen with your hair under a baseball cap Couldn't find the words to say one single thing Oh, I never knew someone could make me fall like that Now I can't picture my life without you by my side Can't let you go, I'll never let you go Someday when I die, I close both my eyes You should know that I'm coming back to harm you Someday when I go, I turn into a ghost You should know that I'm coming back to harm you Cause I don't want nobody else to have you Thanks for listening to today's show. For additional information, including show notes and links to my bookstore and blog, please visit my website at www.melmystery.com. That's www.melmystery.com. If you have original poetry, music, or group or event to share, please let me know, and I'll consider featuring it on my website, blog, or in an upcoming podcast.